0: Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform.
1: We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So, thank you for listening.
2: Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today we have the wonderful Sarah Siami on the show. Sarah is head of people and culture at Sweat, developing and leading the people strategy across the organization. For those of you who don't know, Sweat is an innovative technology company in the health and fitness sector, founded here in South Australia by Toby Pierce and one of the world's most influential fitness persons, Kayla Ridsinas. Sweat connects a community of women with the world's best trainers, technologies, content, and products that helps enable them to lead their best life. Having been there from very early in the company's journey, Sarah has contributed immensely to the success of Sweat helping it grow to be one of the world's largest communities of women in the fitness arena. Always having a passion for human behavior, Sarah actually majored in criminology, legal studies and sociology before she went on to her graduate diploma in human resource management. Previously to Sweat, Sarah provided business partnering solutions to Coca-Cola Amytool in South Australia and Northern Territory and provided organisational development and workforce relations solutions at TAFE SA. In today's podcast, we talked about Sarah's journey to the role that she finds herself today, to leading the people aspect of one of the most successful startups to come out of South Australia and how they manage through the times of rapid growth we discussed the ups and downs of the HR world from trying to find quality talent to managing teams that are all working from home. It was an absolutely amazing chat with so many pearls of wisdom coming from it and I'm absolutely positive that you will enjoy. If you like the episode, be sure to hit subscribe and check us out at synergyiq.com.au. Cheers. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. Today we have the lovely Sarah Siami on the show. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
2: So Sarah, you are the head of people and culture at Sweat. Correct. Sweat is a global leading fitness app yep. for females. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how has the, uh, the journey been so far
1: Oh geez, that's a um, that's a huge question to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> this. All right, we'll,
2: we'll start. Actually, we'll start before we unpack that. We'll start. Previously, you've mentioned to me a few interesting facts about yourself. Yeah. Uh, one that I thought was quite funny, so I thought I'll bring it up, which was that you're half Scottish, half Iranian, born in England, raised in the UK, who decided to move to Australia. Can you tell me a little bit about? that journey of from, from when you grew up to moving to Australia and then how you ended up in the head of people and culture world? Yeah, it's a bit of an odd
1: story. So Scottish mum, as you said, um, dad was um, studying in Scotland. Okay. So from Iran, studying in Scotland, they met, kind of moved to the UK, moved back to Iran um, when my mum was pregnant with my sister. And then the um, revolution started, which was a really interesting time. So That was in, what, 1979? Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically, you know, at that time, like politically really unstable, um, so mum decided to leave kind of pregnant and it was a really kind of risky situation and they'd stopped flights and all this kind of stuff. So she essentially kind of fled. Um, And then my dad was able to follow her um, shortly after. But it was quite sad because they had to just leave the house, couldn't say goodbye to family, like literally just had to pack up in the middle of the night and escape the country.
2: Um, So where did they escape to? So they
1: they ended up in England, so kind of around mum's family, which was good. And then um, I'm not really sure how we ended up in Australia, but early 90s I think they decided they just wanted a better life and probably more warmth and sunshine and... Um, thought there was better opportunities in Australia. So moved over here as a family.
2: So how old were you when you came? Um,
1: so I would have been about seven.
2: Okay. Because um, so you don't have any accent at all. No. Is-
1: well, I tried really hard to get rid of it. Oh, did you? Because when I started school over here, um, I used to get bullied for it. Yes. And so I tried really yes. hard to get rid of the accent um, as quickly as possible. So, Isn't that amazing?
2: Yeah, Michelle, our yeah. Business, my business partner is has the, had the same problem. Come to school yeah. from a young age. In fact, my my parents the same thing. Yeah, uh, from Italy, they came yeah. same thing, bullied because of the way you spoke. Yeah, kids can be pretty cruel. I oh, it's so
1: confusing. I'm like, but you're part of the Commonwealth. Why? Yeah. Why are being mean <laughs> yeah. to me? We're from the same place. <laughs> like, I'm not sure kids yeah, think yeah, that I don't way. So. Seven year
2: olds think that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah um yeah so then essentially grew up in Adelaide and then um school university and then headed over to Melbourne for a year um and lived over there and then um finished off uni in Melbourne and then came back to Adelaide
2: so you studied Criminology and Sociology.
1: Correct, yeah. Tell
2: us a little bit more about the interest in that yeah. world.
1: Well, I think when I started uni, I was um, 17. So I guess looking at preferences at age like 16, 16 and a half or thereabouts and not really having any clue. Like as a 16-year-old, how are you meant to know oh, yeah. like what direction, what path to take? Yeah. It's just, yeah, a lot of pressure. Um, but my sister is five and a half years older than me and she kind of just said, look, why don't you just enrol in a Bachelor of Arts? You can, you know, learn about an array of topics and then kind of pick something that um, suits you more. And I just ended up doing, yeah, more sociology and criminology probably just from watching too many crime shows and watching <laughs> crime
2: stoppers. <and> There's <laughs> an element of, I mean, compared, if you look at to where you are today, yeah working with people... Like- <laughs> Right, so there's an element of that people aspect in what you're doing and you what you study.
1: Employees and criminals. And well, no, well,
2: Well, it's understanding <laughs> yeah. human behaviour. I think, yeah. especially from a sociology definitely. point of view. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Um, yeah, so but, al- yeah, always interested, interested be, yeah. in kind of like analysing people. And yeah, I've definitely had employees that have gone to prison over my time. But um, yeah, wow. that's another that's podcast another, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, Actually, we'll get
2: to. I've yeah, got a question yeah. later on about something like that. So we'll, uh, okay. It's very a, good. <laughs> well, it's, it's about the unusual stuff that you've yeah, said. Which, yeah,
1: okay. Um, yeah, and then so I finished my Bachelor of Arts the last year in Melbourne because I think life was just a bit too easy. I was studying at Flinders and working and everything was just going smoothly and I was like, well, this is too easy. Why not make my life really difficult? So I packed up and, um, yeah, finished the last year cross institutionally at Monash University. Okay. Um, so first time moving out of home was interstate and, um, that was a huge shock to the system. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it was a really great, great experience. And then just decided to come back to Adelaide. As I said, it was a bit too cold and I'd been working two jobs in Melbourne to try and, you know, fund my uni and living expenses. So it wasn't really the most fun time and in hindsight I probably hadn't really thought about that very much Mm -hmm. Um, but nevertheless great experience and then realized that a Bachelor of Arts is kind of um, just the starting point (laughs) in education and wasn't really going to help me um, get a decent job so I went back and studied um, a graduate diploma of human resource management at UniSA so while I was working full-time.
2: Yeah so what sparked that interest in you from thinking well I actually want to get into HR here?
1: Yeah again this is probably really bad to admit, but no real reason.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: again, I, I had like a um, a friend um, who's a bit of a mentor to me, like a little bit older than me. And again, they were studying HR at UniSA and kind of said, look, I think you'd be great in this career. Like you've got, you know, X, Y, Z kind of qualities. You should check it out. Um, and I think because I just respected this person and had no other great ideas, I was like, all right, well, let's just go and explore what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And off I well, went. Well, it's
2: good that uh, you listened because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you've had a pretty good career today. Yeah. So you yeah. you went. So where were you when you were studying and, and where did you end up? You ended up at Coca-Cola at some point. Correct,
1: yeah. So I, I kind of started my HR career at Downer EDI, which is like blue collar constructions. I yep. was in the roads division. And that was super interesting as like a 22, 23-year-old woman going into um, road construction. blue
2: collar industry, yeah. Yeah,
1: like amazing people, learnt a lot. Um, And then I was there for, geez, five and a half years, I think. And I thought, you know, it's probably just time to move on and get some other experience. Still loved working there but just wanted more experience. Um, Moved on to Coca-Cola Amateur. I was there for two two and a half years again learned a lot so both companies really big like head office in yeah. the eastern state so it's kind of just implementing like strategies and execution um but you know after some time at coke didn't really feel like it was aligned to my values um, and wanted to head off and go somewhere else uh thought that um you know maybe getting a bit of public experience would be really good so I ended up at TAFE which was aligned to kind of my learning value um and had yeah about two two or so years there I wasn't looking to leave at all was kind of enjoying it to a point um a lot slower pace than coke and um quite frustrating in many aspects in government yeah yeah and I think um you know some amazing educators there and some amazing students that just want to learn but it's like the two don't always kind of marry up which Mm. is really like frustrating and a bit disappointing at times um but anyway again was kind of learning a lot there um and then the role at sweat um popped up and i wasn't looking at all but i had about three people separately kind of send me the role so i was studying to be a personal trainer at the same time okay um, what well, just an interesting yeah fitness world well. just just interested so if I go back a step like my values are around like curiosity adventure learning um, health well being and you you'll probably kind of like see that theme like hence the yeah studying to be a PT on the side like continuously just learning um, studying whatever I can um, and that kind of curiosity and well being piece so I think people that know me well were like wow this is dream dream is, job for you like this is it absolutely. you have to go for it um so I kind of reluctantly did to be honest mm-hmm. um went for interview number one which I almost cancelled um oh really yeah because again I was just like nah it's not the right time like what am I like seeking to achieve I guess um but decided, again, my curiosity kind of got the better of me. and I was like, well, if anything, I'll meet some, like, you know, really interesting individuals um, just by going to the interview and I might learn something great about a, mm. a South Australian business. So I went to the interview and then I was just like, wow, this is, this is a pretty special opportunity. <laughs> Who was in the interview with you? Um, so it was Toby. Um, Toby Pierce. Toby Pierce, yeah. yep, CEO, co-founder of Sweat um, and the operations manager at the time. Um okay yeah so I think it was at that point that I kind of realized hang on a minute I should probably yeah. actually pursue this or, so you know, how, more seriously yeah
2: well how big was the company then
1: um, so when I started I think there was uh, 34 employees okay um, and then we've grown that to over over 120 a bit less now but um, yeah over 120 at one point and um, we've opened a second office interstate as well so it's a significantly different company to when I started Yeah, it is. so where, which yeah. other state did you um, so so we opened in Melbourne okay. um, in November uh, 2019, yep. and then closed it for. So we opened it for three months and then oh, closed wow. it for about eleven months. So
2: and it's just reopened again. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yep. Just all. had our official reopening party about a month ago. Yeah. What
2: a disaster. Anyway, so, that's a whole other subject with the pandemic. Yeah. So you you've come in as a HR manager and then worked yep. in your into the head of people and yep. culture. So yeah. Great great opportunity growth yeah. there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, when I started, you know, Toby was like a 25-year-old, I think just 25, um, kid in many aspects. (laughs) Like, and I mean that with complete respect. Like, 25 is super young. So young. Um, Like, self-made millionaire, complete genius, but not surrounded with the right people to actually execute the genius going on in his brain. Mm. Um, so when it when I went in, there wasn't really a leadership team um, at all. There wasn't um, just like the level of experience in the company or mm-hmm. in the organization. Um, that's you know changed significantly. The leadership team we have now, like I've recruited um, and onboarded every single one of them, um, eleven of them. So complete different. Um, yeah, skill level and, and capabilities, but it's been such a, a good journey to kind of get where we are today. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: Cool. So I have to confess, I've yeah. got a little bit of a man crush on Toby. Oh, who doesn't? Seriously, I that's f- why I'm here, I'm, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Well, if you can get him on, we'll get him on. I'll, I'll have, I'll ha- happily speak. But I reckon if I had him mm. on, we'd speak about books for the, yeah. whole, the whole time yeah. and I reckon the word sweat would get mentioned once. I, I'm a big reader, um, mm. and I, I actually follow him. and He talks about books that he's read, yeah. and I think we've had uh, just yeah had a lot of of the same um, the same opinions towards some certain things. So mm. uh, yeah, really interested in him. But what I am interested in is you said that your one of your values was learning and growth, and all and mm. and, and that aspect. He's a big learner. He's mm. he's a big reader. I know he's all into that philosophy. Yeah. Does he? Does he expect and do you bring that learning aspect into sweat? Is that a a big part of the core values of sweat?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, he doesn't bring it in, I guess, formally, um, but it is just part of our culture. So, we yeah. have a sweat library, as okay, an example. Okay, yeah. Um, and we always kind of in our weekly internal comms, we'll have book recommendations or podcast recommendations. And I think just the nature of our business, you have to continuously be learning. Mm. So, A, from a member perspective, like what are our members wanting? Because they're continuously evolving. So, we yeah. have that kind of learning culture there. Um, but just as well in terms of, you know, new competitors coming up every day, new ways of doing things like the digital landscape just continuously evolves, um, so there's no there's no opportunity to kind of stand still and be at the top of your game. Yeah, okay. um, and, and I think yeah, to, like one of Toby's top strengths is learning as well. So. Um, yeah he's he's always bringing in new books and kind of dropping new frameworks or this and that and then you know we'll all scurry off and try and read yeah. that same book to understand yeah. what he's actually talking about yeah yeah, which is yeah. Really cool.
2: it can be disruptive i think i'm probably yeah. the same in some aspect i read some new piece of information and go, you know, this is the way we should be doing yeah. it and have that expectation that everyone just knows what i'm talking about yeah. even though a day earlier i had no idea about <laughs> it but yeah um so i'm, I'm just you've you've Bought that. So you've worked with Toby. You've come in, and then how did you then move into the head of HR? Mm -hmm. Was there an opportunity? Did someone leave and you got the nod? Is that
1: no, not at all. So it was more just, um, I guess, um, establishing the leadership team and different levels within the Mm organisation, and just leveling people up. So there's a PNC uh, manager at Sweat now. Yep. Um, So essentially, I just, um, I guess, was reclassified almost, or um, you know brought in line with the rest of the team that we'd been building um, and and kind of went from there. So, um, yeah.
2: Brilliant. So, you, I mean, you've, you're, you're one of the first HR people hired. The first. The yeah, first. The
1: first, yeah.
2: And how have you coped with the exponential growth <laughs> that Sweat's seen, not only in Australia but it's mm. global, isn't mm. it? Like it's one of the, the yeah. number one fitness apps in the world. Uh, how how just can you unpack that for me? I know that's a big question, yeah. but how have you gone from the perspective of managing and leading the people mm. through this transition of extreme growth
1: yeah that's a it is a big question. I think for starters, like having the right team in people and culture is super important, mm. so um, you know, hiring people that are really agile, that leave their egos at the door, that are willing to, you know, work outside their like traditional kind of scope is super important. Um, and we, we do that with all of the employees that we hire. So we go through a really, really um, vigorous kind of approach or process, I should say, in terms of who are the people that we want, what types of skills they have, what kind of attributes they have. Are they going to be okay with ambiguity? are they going to flourish in ambiguity? Like how are they going to respond to change? Because that is really critical. So, you know, we'll have people that, you know, come for an interview and they say that they're, um, you know, fine with fast pace, yep, like change. But you can read from people's body language, like are they leaning in when they say that? Are they actually sitting back in their chair? Are they moving their like glass of water in front of them, like having a defensive body language? Like we assess these kind of things so we can really actually determine how will you fit? And that's Mm. not... Um, I guess the the sole purpose that we're doing that is to make sure they're successful because that's what we want. Like we yeah. want people to come in and we want the shortest amount of time between their onboarding and them adding value to the organisation and them feeling like they're winning, like yeah, shortening okay. that journey is really yeah, yeah. important for us. Um, but I think as well like open communication, so we communicate a lot, like a significant amount. Um, so what's
2: what's what's that look like? You yeah, say a significant amount once a week, twice a week, every yeah. day. Yeah.
1: So we so organisationally we um, have weekly communications mm-hmm. that go out. Um, then we have like an instant uh, messaging tool that we yep. that we use as well. Um, so for key kind of exciting comms like we've got, you know, if we have a launch, for example, we'll, you know, the CEO will put comms out on there and, you know, get teams excited and celebrate wins and that kind of thing. Um, then we have a monthly, we call it a sweat Connect. It's like a town hall. So we will get together uh, once a month and, you know, we'll celebrate service awards, any kind of, you know, retrospective key things, um, key items that we've been doing. We then have um, like quarterly team bonding, all managers uh, – so we have a weekly leadership team meeting as well and then all managers are expected to have weekly team meetings with their teams and okay. then they're expected to have monthly one-on-ones. So yeah, there wow. is no kind of like
2: – There's no loop missed. Correct.
1: Yeah. And then we also have neighbourhood stand-ups every week as well. So there is no way to kind of ex- escape communication. Yeah. Um, and, and is there an
2: agenda on, on every mm, single one of these items, or is it just to get up and speak yeah?
1: No, way? we have an agenda, like some in some of the forums, it's relatively loose. Um, but there's always always an agenda because we always want to make sure that we're getting across the key messaging and bringing people on, like whatever journey that might be. Um, so we do have standard kind of agenda items, but then it's also important to allow for a bit of flu like fluidness, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, to make sure that we're actually focusing on what's important for people at that time. Yeah. Um, and what is it, communication and just, yeah, the transparency in comms as well. Mm. Um, so we try and be as transparent as we can, which in some organisations isn't necessarily the, the way that people communicate.
2: Mm. Yeah. I think mean, it's the best way. Oh, so. 100%. Well, it makes yeah. people feel really comfortable where you're yeah. going. And what you're doing. Yeah. And what they're actually here for, the yep. purpose, the vision. Definitely. So what is the purpose of sweat? I mean, I look, I I think fundamentally you can look at it and you go, We're trying to change people's lives, right? Yep. We're trying to help them feel better and and, and actually concentrate mm. on their health. But where does what does what is done look like for sweat? Like mm. where what are, what are you planning on growing to? And, yeah. and where are you planning on going?
1: I don't think we'll ever be done. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think for us it's about, you know, how can we um increase the um the number of women that we support essentially. So, you know, through every kind of stage of somebody's um life, like how can we be there supporting people? Mm. So, you know, we've got post pregnancy workouts, we've got okay. blood um pilates bar etc etc but there's still like a huge portion of people that we're not actually capturing that we're not supporting so for us it's about you know increasing our offering um increasing the diversity of our trainers um from you know ethnicity to like workout type to body shape type to you know everything um to just to grow to support more women
2: it's a really interesting question the diversity piece that you I think if you think of any sort of fitness or gym or or any aspect, it's and look and to be honest, if you go on your website, there's it's sprawled with images of of very fit people. Yeah. Um, What what is your as HR practitioner? Mm -hmm. What is your diversity inclusion method? Is there an expectation that people are really concentrated on their health and fitness, or uh, you you know how do you hire and onboard for for that?
1: Yeah, um, so we're actually just about to launch our diversity and inclusion oh, strategy, great. so very, very timely. Yep, well um, I didn't but, know that actually. That wasn't no, a Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good to drop in. Um, but for us, like we, we're the employees, it's really, um, you know, we, we don't necessarily hire people, you know, that have to be, you know, interested in fitness or workout or this yeah. and that like. So it's not
2: like every single person in your office is – Super buff, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's no like bench press bonuses at financial year, no, 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 but but that and
2: not not to, there's no disrespect in that. It's just if you're running a fitness world and you assume that most people are interested in health and fitness, right? Yeah,
1: and it, yeah, so, so it really depends on the the topic. Like, if you're an exercise scientist working at Sweat, sure, definitely, if you're a data analyst. I don't really care what data you've been looking at. Like as long as you love data yeah. and you're at the top of your game in data, great, like yeah. let's talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think generally for anyone like having an interest in the industry your you know employer is in is definitely beneficial. So just like when I worked at Coke or mm. um, Downer, like I would go out on site and visit like literally the guys pouring asphalt and they'd be so excited to talk to me and I'd be like, cool, <laughs> asphalt, like that's awesome, like cool yeah but you know that's where i go out on site and i'm like you know watching kayla getting filmed or whatever and i'm like oh that's really cool like Mm. you know personally it's more interesting but yeah yeah. more
2: connected to yeah to the cause
1: yeah definitely
2: so on that onboarding Mm. process uh well actually sorry no we didn't touch on your diversity inclusion where were you going with that is that uh you're looking at the whole range of uh, from trainers to
1: I can't really talk about it externally. Yeah, Um, that's fair. Yeah, I can. I guess I can say it's on the roadmap. Maybe I don't even know if I can say that. I think internally, um, you know, we the diversity's changed significantly since I've been on board. Um, So, like when I started at Sweat, as an example, I would have been the oldest person or one of the oldest person oh, really? and I'm not that old <laughs> like I'm in yeah. my 30s so yeah. I'm not that old yeah. um, you know so we've we've changed the the age um demographic significantly um and you know I think culturally we're pretty diverse at sweat like we've you know you can make some improvements but pretty diverse like our workforce is 60 percent women mm-hmm. um, but then that ratio in leadership positions is not um I guess proportionate with that Okay. um makeup overall so we've got some work to do um in our leadership mm. positions um but we've got a whole kind of strategy and roadmap on how we're going to try and start to bridge that gap and make some improvements good yeah. that's i think it's what most yeah. businesses
2: are looking at at the moment yeah. so uh, I, i'm really interested in in how you and toby and the team grew a business yeah. world-class business from adelaide yeah um and the, the some of the uh Ups and downs that you would have faced along that growth journey?
1: There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. (laughs) And is it just purely
2: because of where you are or is it just the actual ups and downs of business in general?
1: I think a bit of both, to be honest. Like being in Adelaide, I hate to say this because I do love Adelaide, it is restrictive. Mm. I think um, it's...
2: For what reason?
1: um, To get talent in some of the technology roles has been really challenging. So I think like, you know, Toby and I, because we've worked together for so long, we've got like a really good working relationship, you know, and when you have high trust in relationships, you can, it, like everything speeds up, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, like after 9-11, as an example, like getting through the airport because there's low trust, the speed of that like um, decrease significantly because there's all these extra security checks, all these extra things. So when you have high trust, things just work quicker and it's just faster. So I think that's been um, really helpful because we make decisions super quick. Like we, we will disagree and sometimes I'll just, you know, live with it and he goes and makes a decision I don't agree with and vice versa, but we'll trust each other to kind of own it and yeah. that we are making the best decision. So yeah. that, that's that been um, really helpful in terms of just, um, you know, imp- like being empowered to actually just get on and kind of do my job and make um, recommendations. I think the the talent shortage in in SA was um, an issue, particularly when we were looking to grow our technology teams. Mm. Um, it, it's changed now significantly, but um, I, I kind of campaigned Toby for probably three or four months every single day to let me open an office interstate and mm. he was dead against it. Um so eventually I kind of won that battle. I, I think <laughs> I think his resistance probably came from the like added business complexity, yeah, um, added cost um, and, and just the complexity. And, and as well, I guess at that time, we still didn't have, you know, all the members of the leadership team that we have now. So I think his confidence in, um, I guess, managing, you know, what we needed to do and the control around that would be, reduced with you know an office interstate yeah um so i think that was probably a little bit of a barrier for him as well and as well like i kind of forget and sometimes point out to other people as well as myself like he's he's only 26 or 27 like he hasn't worked in a corporate organization where there's you know 15 20 offices and you know you've never even been to head office and and those kind of things so really different but um yeah so so eventually he's not that
2: old now though is he
1: no, he's um 28. Okay, yeah, so that was a couple of years ago. A Couple of years here. ago, yeah. So, 28 still
2: relatively young. Pretty young, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but anyway, so yeah, opened the that Melbourne office, um, and it's been working really, really well. Yeah, so great. we were able to kind of double our technology team and get in some really, really good talent.
2: So mm. with the world the way it is now, though, yeah. is it, is that office required? Still, uh, you know, from a weekend, you know, I think you you, we've had a previous conversation Mm. where we discussed Canva uh, who have gone fully remote working. Is that an option for you as well, for sweat as well? Mm.
1: It's something that we're talking about at the moment. Mm. So, you know, we still have a little bit of a barrier um, as an example. Like we'll find some great talent and they're in Sydney and we say, okay, can you relocate to Melbourne or Adelaide Uh, and kind of at the moment, you know, Melbourne's okay now but about a month or two ago they were like, well, why would I relocate to Melbourne? And you're like, well, fair enough, <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah. Um, can you come to Adelaide? Um, so there's, there is still a little bit of a barrier but I'm really loathed to open us up to fully remote working because probably the most special thing and like the superpower of sweat is the connections and the people. Mm. And we saw with COVID the, um, the disconnects start just start to form Mm -hmm. you know with new people coming on board and not being able to meet people it's um it's a much you know it's a different scenario to you know being in a team and then going and working remotely it's completely different agreed um and now we're all back in the office we're kind of reconnecting and you know re-establishing those um key relationships and the teams are kind of saying that they want more of that and it, because now we have um, work from home two days a week, the offices aren't as full because obviously, you know, proportionately yep, yep, yep. not everyone's there. And one of the key things is they want more of those connections. So it's kind of like, well, employees are asking for more connections and they're asking, you know, can we actually all see each other? But then on the other hand, we've got, you know, employees and leaders saying, oh, but we want to hire remotely everywhere. So as a business, like we need to go on a bit of a discovery journey and understand, well, what are we actually happy with, um, with um, like saying no to? Like yeah. what are we happy to risk? Like are we actually happy to say, okay, like we'll take a cultural hit and it means that we can get more employees remotely or are we not going to stand for that and we're going to stand by our culture and understand that that's something that really makes us effective as a team and, you know, miss out on some of those skill key, um, key skill sets. Yeah. So we're kind of at that point at the moment.
2: Well, I think going back to the, the roadblocks that Adelaide might mm. provide is this, if you are going externally and you do want to build that culture mm. and bite them over, do you pay them a Sydney wage or do you pay them an Adelaide wage? These exactly. The, the, and then all of a sudden you've got these big wage discrepancies yeah. between those who have been hired in Adelaide and yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a nightmare. How do you yeah. plan on navigating through that?
1: I think we just need to understand. I think it's too early to make any decisions that are so critical to changing the path of the organisation. Hmm. I think we need to just kind of do some really thorough research and have a look at best practice. So, yeah, Canva have now um, been hiring people remotely um, from Adelaide and we've um, you know seen some impacts of that. I think other organisations are starting to do that. But I'm really keen to understand like if we fast forward six months, what is the impact on their culture mm-hmm. and then what is the impact on their actual performance as an organisation because of that?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Would well, they go going from strength to strength. To the yeah, on, okay, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. No. But, but yeah, I think the I think the world is sitting mm. back watching. Not just Canberra, yeah. but mo- a lot of businesses. There's other businesses in South Australia doing the same thing. Oz Minerals, I believe, are, you know, saying all oh, their meetings are online now, and mm. well, you know, the, these sort of conversations are happening more and more often. Uh, it, what is the toughest thing for you right now in, in go, after going through a pandemic uh, from a from a people and culture mm. perspective and or in a business perspective what is the toughest thing uh moving into this new way of working in this new era
1: yeah i think one thing is like our teams like our people and culture team probably specifically are tired mm. like we're really tired um you know, it's been an incredibly draining time without sounding hugely negative. Um, and we're now seeing the impacts of, or sorry, like the, the annualised impacts now, which is almost a positive in a way because it's not kind of like, oh, let's just put a bandaid on this thing that we were doing and we'll see how this all kind of plays out. It's like, okay, it's been 12 months now. Like this is the new playbook. We need to actually re-establish that. So I think I think understanding how to, Um, like innovate some of the things that we were doing previously for this new world that we're in, um, which I kind of find exciting. Um, But I think also that cultural piece, like we were just talking about the remote working, like we've had, you know, all of our employees in Melbourne being at home for so long and now we're kind of saying, no, you have to come back into the office for three days a week, you know, we'll support you still from working from home at times, but just the shift for them. Mm. Um, and the shift for our kind of Adelaide team members as well with that.
2: So I Especially think. Especially with Melbourne traffic and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is,
1: I, yeah, and people are used, to, you know, we've got a lot of Melbourne employees saying, oh, but you know, it takes me an hour to get to work. Like, Yeah, I'm losing yeah, two hours a day. Yeah, like, there. can I just work from home more? And it's like, well, yeah, ugh, ugh, like, yes, no. Like, it's those kind of decisions yeah. that we now have to make. It's like, well, they were working at home effectively for 10 months. Like, is there real? like, what really is the impact? But then when you go down that, then you think, well, what really is the impact if we hire someone in Queensland? Or what really, you know, but then all of these little impacts
2: add up. Is the fear that they just become a number within the business as opposed to people who are connecting and building relationships? Is that the biggest fear?
1: I think so. Um, Like, I don't think they would become a number from our perspective, but I think maybe... um, you know, particularly some of the roles like in engineering that maybe work a little bit more mm. like isolated that don't necessarily feel like they need as many touch points. I feel like they may see themselves like yeah. that, which I I don't want to happen.
2: Does it yeah. give people an excuse to not get involved as well, working from home? Like, you know, yeah. the old after work drinks and stuff like that. Yeah. If you're having your after work drinks on a Friday night mm. and you've decided to work from home on Fridays, does yeah. it
1: maybe but then i don't know, part of me is like well do you want to force people to come to things anyway like i like no i don't mm. um you know will there be groups of people like that that maybe then find their own thing that they're more like um interested in in doing probably like and that would be a better thing mm. so we we've got a culture club at sweat um that um the PNC manager heads up that's um filled with our employees who were were members. I think there's about maybe 10 of them. And there's a big um, culture calendar that's kind of run annually uh, And in that we have a number of different activities to try and make sure that everybody's involved, like, you know, regardless of their preferences. So last month or earlier this month, sorry, um, a few people, well, actually quite a lot, I think it was maybe 25 people, went and donated blood at the Red Cross as an example. Then we have, like, coffee cart coming tomorrow. So, like, there's all different things. So... Mm. You know, we find that everyone's interested in something like we did Harmony Day in March and okay. um, we really yeah. try and, yeah, keep everybody involved and in, included. Yeah. Yeah, or
2: an opportunity to be included anyway. It is. That's it's brilliant. Is, does that then come back to your onboarding you know, process of actually mm. bringing in the right people with the right behaviours who are willing to get behind the cause? Is yeah. That, I mean, it's, it looked like everyone wants to find a yeah. unicorn but is yeah. that – Is that really what you guys set out to achieve when hiring people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there has been plenty of really talented people um, that we've interviewed and gone, no, no thank you. Like you're a brilliant jerk. And yeah. we are not interested. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. and we do, we we say that like internally, maybe yeah. not to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we do like we won't I love that. Um, the, brilliant, the brilliant, brilliant jerk. Like yeah. we talk about it all the time. We call it unicorn hunting. That's yeah. our recruitment update. Yeah. Unicorn hunting. Yeah, and we don't want brilliant jerks. Um we just um it our culture is too important and too valuable. Like we protect it. Mm. Um, you know, we really, really protect it. But part of the um the onboarding process, um It's a six month process and really initially it is learning about sweat. Um, and that is, you know, listening to podcasts that Toby's done. You'd be excited to hear that. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> Toby's book recommendations, yeah, yeah. you know, some of the stuff Kayla's done and really just learning about the history of the business, the culture, yeah, good. you know, enterprise-wide, like what are our expectations? Um, and then we get to the department level or the neighbourhood level. And then like, lastly, it's about learning your role and having goals around your role um, within that 6 months time frame and then having like really regular checkpoints and so what we do is we really set people up from the beginning of like these are all the things that we think will make you successful um follow this roadmap you basically can't go wrong if you do go wrong if there is some misalignment then you know it's noticed very very quickly yeah um and then you know conversations happen really quickly as well to try and understand like why that's happened and, yeah well yeah,
2: yeah lack, of, lack of communication potentially yeah. breakdown misunderstanding yep. all these things come into play yeah i'm gonna challenge the brilliant jerk though is mm. there an op- is there potential for uh you know hiring in sameness you know you want you kind of get the same sort mm. of people that you hire over and over again is there is you know we want a good bloke mm. or we want a, we want a good chick or something like yeah, that yeah. you know is that uh, is there an op- is there a potential for that
1: yeah look i i don't think so because you know our values that we have so our four values have a number of like behavioral indicators underneath them so mm. we definitely do not want the same people that's like we want different thoughts. We want different experiences. We want, um, you know, diversity in, in every way. Um, but we still don't want you to be a jerk. Yeah. So, that's fair. um, yeah. And, and look, to be honest, like there's been one or two occasions where we have hired a brilliant jerk. We knew we were doing it. Um, but we did it for reasons that, um, I guess we strategic of nature and we knew there was like a finite time yeah. on, on that, that role. And I, you know, we wouldn't do it again because mm. uh, I think the damage that it caused probably still outweighed the benefit even though we were really conscious of what we were doing at the time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We've all been there. Yeah. We've all done <laughs> that. We've brought in people mm. because of the need, mm. uh, outweighed the per- the behaviour yeah. that we yeah. required from a cultural perspective, the need of the actual work itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that you're right. I don't think you should compromise on that. Yeah. You should never compromise and, in fact, almost push the work. The the, yeah. the deadlines of the workout a bit to, yeah. to accommodate. Yeah. What uh what keeps you guys up at night? Mm.
1: in PNC land. In, or... in
2: in sweat. You sit on at you sit at the round table. Yeah. What, you know, and yeah, obviously confidentially you don't have to mention some things. But what's something, you know, when we talk competition, staying innovative, Mm. are these areas that keep you awake at night? There's all all these new apps and uh, exercise programs that are coming out. What, yeah. where, where do you guys sit with that?
1: I mean we, we certainly keep our finger on the pulse in terms of competitors mm. um, but I think we have such a long roadmap of things we want to get out in the app mm. um, and, th- you know, other content that we want to release and, you know, other trainers or training styles and, you know, there's so much that we want to do. I think, you know, one of our biggest kind of issues is just our velocity or our speed to be able to execute and at Mm. the velocity that we want and we've significantly improved that in the last kind of a year and a half like you know when I first started I think we were releasing we're doing two releases a year and they were huge like we'd get to that release day and everyone would collapse and be exhausted and it was like the biggest thing ever and now it's kind of every six to eight weeks there's like another huge drop um so our ability um to give members what they want has increased. I think what keeps us up is just our ability to be able to continuously do that yeah. um, and do it faster and better and quicker. And well, especially
2: as you mentioned yeah. before, that exhaustion yeah. is one of those things that is coming in. Is that yeah. does that affect the mental health of the people as well?
1: Um, of our members, in, of your people, of in, our people. internally.
2: So if that's what's keeping you up, c- yeah. consistently upgrading mm. the the model that you yeah. have. The exhaustion that it brings upon you, yeah. people, and yeah. only to then overcome that and start all over again for yeah. the next release. how, do, yeah, how yeah. do you manage through that?
1: I think we we're so structured and systemized now that it's becoming like a really good flywheel. Great. Um, you know, we've spent a really long time kind of setting up our like corporate services, mm-hmm. so to speak. So we've got a really great project management office. Um, and everything is becoming a good flywheel. I guess having said that, though, there's still a lot of things that we're doing like for the first time. Um, but again, we kind of hire people that find that exciting, you know, because yeah. there's people that are brilliant at their job, but they would find that absolutely exhausting. So we find the people that you know think that that's exciting. Um, but it's it's really important to um, you know recognize that and understand like how do we actually keep people motivated, mm. like you said, and not not burn people out or anything like that um so we like put a fair bit of focus on trying to celebrate our wins and really acknowledging people really um rewarding them so as an example like we've got a reward and recognition Mm -hmm. kind of platform and you know on friday our ceo went on there and did about 13 employee recognitions like it's really you know and very detailed and um considered yeah so what does that look like is it just
2: uh, words of affirmation what what is yeah
1: it's more like literally um like you can pick what value it relates to but it would be like daniel you know your work on um the podcast on episode 18 Mm. you know was so insightful like I really found this bit valuable. Like, keep it up, great work. Yeah, so, God. something that's really incredibly meaningful to employees, yeah. and I think Which having one was yeah. <laughs> let's, go, let's go back and look at. And just, <laughs> but having that from your know. CEO, like I don't know. I've never worked in another no. organization where your CEO would take time out to do that.
0: Um, yeah, it is really good. And
1: then, other, you know, other leaders see that and then they all go, oh, wow, if the CEO is making time to do that, God, I'm a bit of a shit leader. If mm. I haven't done that for a month. So then they go on and do it um, and there's this, you know, just positive kind of um, domino effect, which is awesome. But I think the other part is we, um, like our leadership programs and a lot of the um, internal capability uplift we do is around emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, And how to recognize kind of your own emotions of, you know, when are you actually getting exhausted? What are you doing about it? Um, You know, what are your, how your leader is helping you um, and just managing that piece as well. So we talk a a lot about the scarf model, which is, explain. don't know the scarf model. So it's around like status. So, you know, particularly around like if there's change or a new project or something like that, like how does that impact your status? Um, certainty so
2: status from a hierarchy point of view or? yeah
1: could could be um so you know last time we we're on a project i was the project manager on that and this time it's you so okay. you know like you probably have will have emotional reaction to that yeah. potentially so yeah. as a what leader did I do wrong? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and it, it's probably absolutely nothing no, just
2: we're sharing the love correct but yeah. like
1: as a leader <clears throat> it's just being aware of that so yeah. like status certainty so you know, that comes back to our comms piece. So, you know, we over-communicate and be really transparent so people aren't guessing things. People yeah. have certainty. Um, autonomy. So, again, kind of like really trying to empower people. So we've got hey, a lot we, of... did we miss C? c- certainty. Oh, certainty. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's all right. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, certainty. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. Autonomy is so again yeah, autonomy. kind of um, putting in, you know, the right kind of systems framework so people can just make decisions, mm-hmm. and you don't need to, you know, wait to be told or yeah. you know ask.
2: That's critical. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, relatedness. So how does how does it kind of impact you? So what's yeah. your relevance to the thing? Mm-hmm. So you know, if it was a project um, that you're project managing, maybe I actually don't really care that much because I'm working on something else and that's not my domain, so no impact or you know conversely perhaps that's actually really relevant to me cuz i'm the person that on the yeah thing. exactly yeah. um and then the last part is fairness so how do people you know think that whatever that that you know um changes or or thing is like how do they perceive the fairness mm. and it's completely irrelevant as to whether it you know you personally deem it fair or not it's how do you think that person um we'll feel about it mm. and so we we wow. use the scarf model a lot um and we use it kind of on ourselves and in the pnc team in particular we we call it mittens um instead of scarf okay. don't don't know why but anyway we've <laughs> kind of evolved it to that
2: it's <laughs> not an acronym it's not no. it's not
1: i think we just didn't want to go around saying scarf so okay. we say mittens. but anyway um <laughs> but it's a really good key because we'll often you know if somebody has a reaction in the team to something that you think oh that might you know what's going on there. You know we'll we'll literally say to each other, "Hey, are you wearing your mittens? Yeah. Like check yourself. Like what's yeah. triggering for you?" And then we'll kind of have a conversation about, you know, well, what is it that you that's kind of irritating you about that? Like let's talk about it and and kind of work through it. And it's super helpful because a lot of the time you go, you know what? I'm actually just being really, I'm just being emotional about it. Like there's no logical reason. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now I can see it and I can unpack it yeah, myself. Okay.
2: So if you and I are having a conversation, you go, "Dan, are you wearing your mittens?" Yeah. And my my response would be to use a scarf model. In, mm. yeah, I'm actually I'm feeling challenged in my status. Mm. That. Is that how you would go yeah, about it? Yeah,
1: yep, exactly. Okay, and then that's I'd be really like, great. okay, tell me what, tell what me. is it that yeah, well, I'm about feeling this? Yeah, and, yeah,
2: okay. yeah. No, I really like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a great model. And you mentioned flywheel earlier. Yeah. And then you, that's a Jim Collins thing. Do you, Correct. Do you, do you follow a whole bunch of these frameworks? Is that how?
1: Yes. Um, that one's a Tobias special, the yeah. old flywheel. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yep. What else? Uh, I'm really on the the speed of trust at the moment. okay um, can
2: you talk to me about that?
1: Oh, look I'm only about 50 pages in but um, that's all right the, you,
2: you know the basic concept Yes yep otherwise you wouldn't be reading it.
1: Yeah that's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> so again so that's about um, trust um, being hang on let me write let me think about it here. So trust, um being like granted and earned so that's like the two versions yeah. of trust but i cannot remember the trust of um goes into I was drawing the map two different ways
2: <laughs> so you are early into it no i'm but, just
1: having a mental blank about okay. it
2: so earned and trust so when you yeah. is it is the whole concept of it trying to reach and attain a level of trust oh. quicker? Is that
1: no? Hang on, sorry. Okay, so so there's different elements of trust. So one part is um, essentially like character. Yeah. Um. So that is your like integrity. Mm-hmm. Your um. Can't remember the other words that your go under ba- there, but your behaviors that yeah, essentially behaviors. They They've kind of got categories underneath there. Um, and then the other part is your capability, and that is around your results um, and your, like, achievements. So, in the integrity piece, there's also um, – it's around intent. So, do people think that your intent um, is, like, aligned mm-hmm. with – like what you're actually saying, it is. Yeah, okay. Um, sure. And do people actually see? Like, are you saying one thing and kind of doing another? Yeah. And then so it's that,
2: integrity, please. Yeah. Integrity. Yeah. Transparency. But they yeah, yeah.
1: they break it down into yeah another like they Who break it way the down. Book? Um, Kobe.
2: Oh, is it Stephen Kobe Yeah. Is it in? The, it's not in the in his. Good to great. Stuff. No, it's, his new nah, book. it's a separate book. It's, okay. So
1: it's Covey Junior Junior.
2: Oh no, hang on. Co- I'm thinking Collins. We are talking about oh, Collins. Oh yeah, no, no, Collins, yeah. Okay. Covey. So Stephen, yeah. Co- yeah, Stephen Covey. It's not, it's not in it's not in his Seven Habits stuff. No, nah, no, no. Nah. So it's, it's his son. So you oh, know, okay. in
1: that book, when they talk about um, the gardening, like the garden, yeah yeah, ca- yeah, yeah, yeah. So the son in that, he's written this book. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, So it's pretty interesting. So anyway, so it talks about, yeah, essentially integrity capability um, and it goes on to like define those things pretty thoroughly and building trust is essentially um, for each of the kind of categories, there's different ways in which you can build trust. Mm. Um, But it's really interesting because if you think about a person that has really like high integrity and low capability, like they're kind of harder people to, to think about.
2: What does that person look like? How do you have high well, integrity? Well, yeah, no, you're right. It's yeah. just an, is so, it, is it an intelligence level. That,
1: well, it, it could just be somebody, you know, have you ever worked with somebody where you're like, oh, they're just, like they're not great at their job. Like they're a lovely guy, like love them. But yeah, like I'm not going to ask them to help me with this. I'm going to go
2: ask blah. Yeah.
1: Because or I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself because you don't really trust them, right? So yeah, that's integrity and tick, that, that's
2: where that's where resentment builds.
1: Exactly, right? Mm. Exactly. But then conversely, like it's easy to think about people that are capable, that have low integrity. Like there's probably a lot of politicians that maybe (laughs) come to mind where you're like, oh, wouldn't trust them like integrity-wise but capability-wise, yep, they can get the job done. Um,
2: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, poor leadership in that aspect, not just in the political world but all aspects of business where – People are really super smart. They're a brilliant jerk, right? Yeah. They, uh, but they. Exactly. You, would, would you trust them? And yeah. do you believe everything that comes out of their mouth? Yeah. Probably not.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Can't yeah. remember why we we're talking about this. I don't know, but I love. <laughs> I, I absolutely
2: love the. It, it, so all these models that you used is, mm. is how do the people. take it within the business are they on board is it a lot to learn there's so many acronyms you know you know oh you know we've got a model for every sort Mm. of project how do you manage that and keep everyone on top of that yeah
1: i think you know there's probably only a few like the scarf model as an example that we really kind of formally as a business kind of stick to the rest of it is really just through um that kind of 70% 70% on the job learning of, mm. of just like osmosis from each other yeah. um, and, and like sharing with our team. So I think because people are generally like quite interested and want to learn and want to know more, you, mm-hmm. you kind of mention something and everyone will be like, oh, what, what was that? that um, yeah, versus a kind of compliance of hey here's a book you have to read it like but you know chapter three by next week yeah, I want to yeah, report. Yeah. it's it's definitely not like club. that yeah, yeah it's more it's very very organic
2: so if you've got a model like scarf which i think mm. is fantastic it's the first mm. time i've heard of it actually you think you've got a model like scarf then do you then equip the, your people, uh, the people within the business on how to have those conversations as well? Is yeah. that like an, an added element to it?
1: Yeah, definitely. So we have a program called Lead Strong mm-hmm. and that's um, it's a six-day program for our leaders In it, they learn the SCARF model Um, and then they also have like a coaching module as well um, with an external facilitator on, you know, building those kind of skills. Um, And then we have a lot of like tools that people can read um, and then within all of our performance reviews, you know, OKR setting and that kind of thing. Again, it's always like here's a toolkit like before, you know, we're in that phase of the coaching cycle. We'll always have, um, you know, workshops with leaders around, okay, cool. So these are the conversations like let's have a, you know, a refresh on, mm-hmm. on our coaching questions and those kind of things. So we look, um, you know, to implement and embed this um, in various different ways and mm-hmm. consistently as well. Yep. Yeah.
2: Is there an expectation when people walk into the business that they uh, – they understand the brand of where mm-hmm. we're actually trying to go and what the vision is, is that was so when you, we go back to the onboarding aspect mm-hmm. and bringing all these uh, these people not the non-brilliant jerks into yeah. the business what does that first week look like from an onboarding process and then what is the expectation mm-hmm. of how they hold the brand yeah uh, from that point on
1: yeah i think um we we don't assume people to understand the brand. Like, you know, people generally have a, a high-level, you know, understanding of the brand but yeah. that is something we teach through a lot of um, material and a lot of collateral that we've built up over the years mm. because, again, you can't assume as well that people's understanding of the brand is actually aligned to what our vision for the brand is yeah. or how we internally talk about the brand. Um, so, you know, there's a huge, a huge te- teaching, um, perspective or, um, element, I should say rather, um, when people come on board, um, you know, there's not really any huge expectations for people. And again, it depends on the role. Like if it's a PR person, as yeah. an example, we're going to expect that they have a pretty good understanding, yeah, correct. um, yeah. But, you know, if it's a developer, for example, we probably hope that they have at least downloaded the app and had a bit of a play and maybe found some bugs. Yeah. Um, so it's all, I guess, relative to people's experience and, you know, discipline that they're in.
2: I'm interested, and this could be a question for Toby on another <laughs> day, but is there, is, are you planning on doing like a similar app for, for male as well or the male counterpart or yeah. just sticking to stick the female
1: can't answer that. Oh, can't. Okay, there <laughs> you go. I don't know that's, that's what okay. PR, PR would say if I okay. answered
2: that. <laughs> like, it's interesting because I, yeah. like, um, I know people who have I've mm. seen the app. I think yeah. it's brilliant. I'm um, like, oh, shit, that would be good <laughs> yeah. for me, someone who needs a little bit of extra motivation. But yeah. uh, all right, we'll, uh, we'll skip, yeah, skip, by, that. <laughs> <delete> skip that. Delete <laughs> that. Um, no, but that's all right. We, we don't yeah. have to dive into that. Uh, by all reports, Sweat, sort of the the uh, the, the revenue increased over mm. the COVID period, which is was that to obviously more people working out from yeah. home, which talks to the business model in itself yeah. being brilliant. Um, it's accessible at any point in any time. Is was that a big part of the burnout that you saw mm. happen to some of the people? Well, mm. that, well, when I say the burnout, the tiredness that you yeah. saw that happened to some of the people that it was just all guns blazing through that time.
1: Yeah, it was a super, super interesting time, like I'm sure it was for a lot of businesses. Um, We uh, pivoted extremely quickly. So I think when the world kind of went into lockdown or when Europe and the US went into lockdown, I think within 48 hours we released two new at-home workouts. Yeah, wow. Which is like the fastest turnaround we've ever had. Um, But it really brought people together because there was such a – you know, shared purpose and shared goal that had such a, an intensity to it. It was really actually um, great for the teams, um, you know, and then we, we partnered with the United Nations and we um, extended our free trial. So then only seven days I think we gave people in Europe like three months because, you know, locked in your house for three months essentially yeah. like, you know, I guess we felt like we could try and help more people. Mm. Um, a lot of those people – um, you know, ended up signing up for the app, which is great. Um, and then we continued to release kind of at home content, and you know, got really smart about it. Like Kayla released some um, videos on her social that was kind of like, "Hey, here's a workout. If you're in an apartment, it's a like low noise impact, so there's no like jumping on, you know, so you don't yeah, wow. annoy your neighbors." Just, just those kind of like really if smart you're stuck things. In quarantine,
2: right yeah, so.
1: yeah, totally. Um, which I think was fantastic. Mm. And to be honest, like I think early on, like we all felt a little bit. Um, like guilty that our business was doing so well and you kind of look around and there's, you know, other businesses really suffering and you talk or to your friends. Yeah. Falling apart, yeah. And you talk to your friends and your colleagues and it was just all doom and gloom and you're almost kind of like hoping people don't say, oh, so how's sweat going? Because you're like, oh, we're actually going really well. Yeah. Like, um, but again, like, you know, we, we all had to kind of check ourselves and remind ourselves of, well, what are we actually trying to do? We're actually trying to help people. Like, are we helping more people? Yes, we are. So, like, that is actually a really good thing that we're able to mm. support people. Um, and I, I think the, the tricky bit for our team was just the Melbourne team being in lockdown for so long. Mm. Um, and I think the second wave of lockdown really impacted them because they'd had that kind of sense of freedom and, you know, things were starting to return to normal and, you know, us in Adelaide, we kind of felt less guilty that we were free. Yeah. Um and then that second lockdown happened and you know a lot of the people in the Adelaide office just felt so bad because mm. you'd talk to your colleagues and you'd have meetings and you know you'd talk about your weekend and then you'd be like oh how was your uh you're still yeah. stuck in your house yeah. like oh i feel awful like um so i think there's almost like a bit of survivors guilt that um we had to kind of encourage our Adelaide team to uh to work through so I think that was a really big um, challenge. challenge. Yeah, but obviously we, we pass that now and everybody's probably closer and more resilient um, and more appreciative of their freedom and luxuries that they have. Mm. So, yeah.
2: Do you feel that the melbourne team have grown mm-hmm. a, a new arm of resilience through that time or is it something that they're still coping with three yeah. to six months down the track
1: their bounce back is just amazing okay. so i went went over there I think i've been there twice now i think since we've um reopened and as i said like we had a little party mm-hmm. and got one of the uh, got two of our trainers to come on come over and you know had some games and all that kind of thing and they just they're just amazing like mm-hmm. the like nicest group of people just so supportive to one another and they're all um you know still very much probably feeling the impacts but you wouldn't you wouldn't know it they're just very future focused um and just i guess ready to kind of move move on to the next thing and kind of get over that and and just keep moving forward so they're just incredible yeah
2: Going back to uh, – I'm really interested in the type of people that we hire because mm-hmm. they're – especially from a workforce planning mm-hmm. point of view, the resourcing, <laughs> being able to resource good quality people yeah. in the world. We see it in defence they're struggling, the mining they're struggling, mm-hmm. everyone all, everyone's struggling in these yeah. industries. And it sounds like it's no different to you, yeah, uh, to your industry really. <laughs> How big a part – you and I have spoken about entrepreneurship mm. previously. How big a part um, does Toby and yourself play in when hiring people, looking for people who who are, who are innovative and uh, coming up with new ideas on how to grow yeah. this business? Is that something that you look into a lot?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, particularly when we were building out the leadership team because early on, um, you know, going back a couple of years now um, – you know when you're setting a new setting up or establishing a new function you seldom kind of get it right the first time mm-hmm. um, and that took us a little while to learn. Like we probably made a few mistakes in the hiring because we just didn't know. We're like doing, you know, I'd never set up a function before. Toby's yeah. never set up a function before. It's so like, okay, yeah. you know, You're the blind like leading the true, blind. True startup. <laughs> yeah, true yeah. startup. Just trying to make it work. Yeah. Um, but probably learn early on that there's definitely like different characteristics that you recruit for um, and that you look for and that you, that you hire. Like I think that innovation piece is um, really big but also – you know, people who are not afraid to just get their hands dirty and that are also like quite detail orientated mm. um, and, um, you know, not afraid to be curious because every kind of door you open, there's a whole just blank space in there where you go, oh, there's nothing here, yeah. I have to make it up yeah. and like make it up in a way that's sustainable as well. So, yeah. um yeah, really different. Like Toby's a lot less um, involved in recruitment and, and the day to day at the moment. Like he's built, well, we've built out a, a really great, strong executive team um, and a great leadership team. So he's kind of less involved on the day to day, but certainly earlier on, it was um, yeah, really important. All hands on. Yeah.
2: Down. What is the culture of making mistakes like? Yeah, you if you yeah. bring in on these people, especially these leaders who. Uh, are empowering their people to go out and and do some great work how do you reward or recognize the mistakes that they've made along the way
1: yeah i think for us like the mentality around mistakes is like you can make mistakes that's fine you can learn from them that's fine um it's a problem for us if you're making the same mistake or if you're making mistakes that are avoidable um Or that are just kind of incompetence like if you make a mistake because you thought you were doing the right thing and you tried and it didn't pay off that's cool we'll Mm. learn from it we move on um the the other scenario not ideal um but
2: um yeah we can't just blatantly go out and just
1: correct you need to
2: have some sort of strategy yeah yeah
1: correct correct um and so we we you know Again, it's really hard because we've got such a big roadmap and it's such a long list of things that we want to achieve. It's not like we're all out there kind of just going, oh, I'm just going to like throw mud at the wall and see what sticks. It's like we've already got such a big backlog of stuff that we want to do that we know is going to work um, that we've already kind of validated. So we do a lot of member research um, as well, (laughs) um, which is hugely important to kind of shape the direction of where we're heading as well. Yeah, that's fantastic.
2: So on that member experience, the customer experience piece, how yeah. how much time and effort do you put into the customer experience yeah. aspect?
1: Um, so we have a quite a big well big i don't know if it's big big for us member support team yeah um they're all online though so there's no phones nothing it's all kind of email and instant messaging Mm -hmm. um our kind of member research insights team is small i guess for the amount of data that we have but Mm -hmm. we really just flex up and down with um externals which i think is a really smart way to go about it so we're not kind of carrying that overhead when we're not able to um you know utilize the services as much so
2: yeah, is that all done offsite, offshore? Yeah, uh, I don't know.
1: actually.
0: To, yeah. Do you
2: use a certain app to not app um, or program like a CRM model yeah. or anything like that? Yeah. Which one do you guys?
1: So we we've, we've got like our own internally okay, built serum. Yeah, but great. then we we were using an external provider, like a huge provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we're we just changing providers at the moment. Okay, so <laughs> another topic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm hitting them all. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah. and none of this was pre prepared, by I the know. way. <laughs> all right, we'll skip past that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I am conscious of time. We are we are just past oh, the wow. hour mark, which is fine, yeah. it's not a problem at all. But in a sort of previous yeah. actually we asked we send out a a questionnaire um to all of our people uh before we get on the show and one of the one of the uh answers that you provided us that you were really interested one day in writing a book around all (laughs) the all the experiences that you've had in hr unusual experiences is there i'm so curious about that is there one particular experience that you can share with us confidentially, obviously, yeah, but yeah. To, without naming names, I should say. But yeah. is there something that you can share with us there? You're oh, going to write a book on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> there are. There
1: are honestly so many. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Um,
2: well, what's a common theme that you would see in HR? What's a common uh, pitfall?
1: Mm, I. Th- mm, I think a common pitfall would be, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's like a pitfall, but I think like people's expectations being managed appropriately um, is always an interesting one. So we have, mm-hmm. a. Um, uh, I really don't know how to phrase this, like people who um, maybe come into a business and, you know, maybe don't have a great understanding of the role or like the level of the role within an organisation and um, come in wanting to create a lot of change without necessarily understanding the impacts of the change Mm. or um, like the scope of what they've actually been brought in to do and getting really kind of like headstrong around that.
2: Okay. So...
1: That's actually a really dumb answer. Well, not
2: really. It, yeah. it, it, if you're saying it's a common thing that yeah. you're seeing is that people actually, their ego is probably get in the way of them being able to deliver their project.
1: Yeah, I think I think the better way to put it would be people actually not um, understanding their own emotions. I yeah. think if I'm going to give a proper answer, that yeah. would be it. Like people not understanding their own emotions. So it's that
2: EQ element that you're talking about Yeah,
1: here. EQ and then people actually like blaming others for <laughs> situations. Like Shit. I can't do X because of why and why being an external thing mm. um, you know I kind of personally find that really frustrating um, but then it's up to leaders to also help people on that journey and mm. I think there's a big kind of gap in a lot of organizations with leaders being able to even observe that themselves and kind of articulate that situation and then be able to create meaningful change with people yeah um, and that's a big barrier I think it comes down to the, the ego piece and the EQ piece yeah. Well I think
2: you look it's not something that we haven't mentioned before and it's in the work that we do mm. in our culture leadership mm. change sort of space it's the it's the the, the, lead, the managers of well, I don't know what percentage it is mm. but a very high number of people are promoted into a management position yeah. because of their technical capability yeah, all the have time. they have a have very very minimal understanding yeah. of how to lead a team how to have tough conversations mm-hmm. how to set KPIs all the above. Um, and that's where we see yeah. majority of, effort, of the failures come from I, yeah. in that aspect. It's not necessarily that the people in the team don't know what they're doing. It's mm. just they're not being clearly communicated or led you yeah. know, in a way that they should be.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's spot on.
2: All right. Well, we'll start to wrap up. At the end of yeah. every podcast, you may have heard I did it with Adam. We um, yeah. we ask a few quick fire questions yeah. just off the cuff, things oh, that oh, uh, uh, I I <laughs> <laughs> It's just to really sort of understand. Um, I, I, I don't know. I find it quirky. It's mm. a bit of fun at the end. So, but one thing is, we are big readers here at Creating yeah. Synergy. I know you are. I know uh, you. You know you have the Sweat Library, which I got to come mm. and check out at some point. Uh, what's one book recommendation that you can provide on people who are looking in whether it be leadership, whether to grow their career, understand human movement and behaviour, anything in that mm-hmm. sort of people and culture space of understanding how to become, you know, even might be um, emotional intelligence, becoming a better yeah uh, becoming a better person, better human. Better Is that, human. that right? Yeah, yeah
1: sure. Um, really should have prepared for this. <laughs> the courage to be disliked. I cannot remember um who the author is. That's
2: all right. We can put it in the show notes. The courage to be disliked. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's a good one. Yeah. yeah.
2: And what learnings did you get out of that?
1: Um, again, it it's all around kind of that personal responsibility, um, and accountability as well. So mm. almost kind of, in a way, like calling yourself out on your own bullshit. Mm. Um, and actually understanding why you do X, Y, and Z instead of having a um, almost like lazy view of why you do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, So like really understanding um, yourself and your own actions and how you kind of influence your own um, pathway and your own environment.
2: That's an interesting one. It's probably one that I need to read. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I I would... uh, I don't know if I have – Michelle and I often have these conversations Mm -hmm. where I feel like I've got this approval addiction. Some people call it the – it's almost like the salesman bow tie, right, where you want to get results but you also want to make sure everyone's happy and you're in this constant uh, – so the courage to be disliked. Sounds like a book I probably need to – It's so interesting. Yeah. Excellent. If you were to give yourself, your 10-year-old self, some mm. ad- advice, what advice would you give them?
1: I th- it would be around just actually believing in yourself and, mm. um, because 10-year-olds, they don't know that they can't do things mm. and it's so beautiful and I don't know at what point when you grow up you actually lose that mm. and you become conscious of all the like self-limiting beliefs and all the barriers that may or may not actually exist. And I think working in sweat kind of highlights to me on a daily basis. Like if you actually just believe in yourself, you can you know, really impact oh, the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the
2: power of the mindset, yeah. the growth mindset versus the fixed is – yeah, it's huge. Yeah, Carol Dweck book is the yes. one one. one. Uh, yeah, absolutely, want yeah. to read. What's one item on your bucket list? Ooh.
1: Um. I really want to. I don't. Oh, I say ooh. I don't know because everything. <laughs> I don't really believe in bucket lists. What was one thing? What's one thing that, one thing one thing really that want you know. want to achieve? Um. I really. Well, I don't know if I really want to potentially um, do a PhD at some point. In, um, in what? Well, I don't know. So that's okay. like a really stupid reason yeah. to want to do it because I don't know. Um, you just want to be called a doctor. I think so. I just <laughs> want the title. <laughs>
2: um,
1: no, I think like at some point, um, in all seriousness, like having my own business, I think would be really cool. Yeah. Um, because I think um, there's such a great need for like helping. Business people understand how to get the best out of people in organisations, mm-hmm. um, and I think if I can kind of do more of that, um, that would be. I know it doesn't maybe sound like a really big bucket list item, but to me, it's a no. Really it's cool exactly
2: what we do every day. Yeah, <laughs> right? so,
1: yeah. <laughs> more than welcome.
2: I'm yeah. still Toby. Won't be too happy with me. If I, <laughs> uh, so, if you had access to a time machine mm. and you had a return trip either Mm -hmm. forward or back, where would you go?
1: Oh, these are really, really hard questions. (laughs) Um, I I really don't know because I very much like live um with no regrets like you mm. know that, that yeah man. but
2: you don't as it you could see you visit someone you could go and see yeah. what the future looks like we've had someone on the show who said they wanted to go back and see the dinosaurs just oh. purely because they wanted to see them yeah okay um, so yeah it just it's about uh what do you what's an interesting yeah point in history or in the future that you would be in, you would be uh looking to uh wow
1: I really, I have really, have no idea. Um, let me think. I think actually, it would be really interesting to go forward to maybe like fifty years and see what Toby Pierce is doing. That that, that will be interesting. That, yeah, it like I'm um, sitting there looking at Steve Jobs and like all the other people you've got on your wall here, like Mom, um Jordan, everyone else. I'm like. So he'll probably be up on that wall in the 50 years as like one of the world's greatest something yeah. business people.
2: I'm surprised he's not already. No, it's <laughs> no, it would be it, actually. You're right because yeah. he has the he's so young. Know, he has the potential yeah. to yeah really change the world, and, and he potentially already is.
1: Yeah, if he we, he if definitely if is. We
2: think about the impact yeah. on people's yeah. lives that he's having. Already. Well, you all are having. I mean, yeah. it must be something that you're very proud. It's not just him, right? We yeah. can't we can't look at him in isolation. And he would be the first to say, yeah. I couldn't do any of this without my team." So. Definitely,
1: definitely. But I think his like genius level and his, like his intellect, but his emotional intelligence, mm. like, is absolutely unstoppable. Like, it will be very, very interesting to see. Um, yeah, his impact on the world in another 50 years. Actually, there's a,
2: there is a question that I do and this is not in yeah. the rapid fire but I'm interested in this and um, you said you don't have time so well, it's yeah. fine, you, you've got enough time. Um, how do you lead, how do you work with a visionary?
0: Yeah. Um, how,
2: how do you control, yeah. not control, how do you uh, – uh, work to the demands that might be mm. put on to you for someone who's so forward-thinking
1: yeah um he is very very forward-thinking but at the same time he's also um developed such good capability in his like emotional intelligence so mm. he's incredibly easy to work with i think because we have a lot of the same strengths like for us it's really easy yeah um not everybody I think finds him that easy because he's like very detail orientated and mm. very fast and um and, and that kind of thing, but you know i I think it's, it's the same as anyone like you learn you learn what makes other people tick mm. and then you just learn how to operate with them yeah, the best yeah. way. It's like any kind of stakeholder management like I learned really quickly like how much detail he does and does not want on particular things, and um you know he's also really um you know good at using different people for um different i guess stimulus like he'll know what to come and talk to me about that he's going to get the best out of me mm. for that conversation for whatever he needs yeah. um and he knows when to go to other people yeah. um to get that as well so i don't i'm lucky because it's it's him driving it yeah. not me <laughs> like well, and his you, awareness you levels. guys have that
2: le- yeah. level of trust yeah is, uh, makes it a lot easier like yeah. i said decisions can get made a bit yeah, quicker definitely if you had one a superpower or superhero power mm. what would it be
1: if i could have one yeah. i think definitely to stop time that's without it's a, a stop doubt. stop time. Yeah, because there is like say I'm a time optimizer. That's one of my strengths So I'm always late to everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I notice. <laughs> yeah, I know because I'm like I'm one of these people like my like joy comes from like being in the kitchen and like putting the toast on right whilst like getting the microwave going whilst boiling the kettle like doing everything at the same time to like optimize every second of my day which means i'm often late because i'm like oh just finish this and do this while i'm doing that and anyway um because there's so much i want to do like i as i said like i love learning curiosity adventure like they're my top kind of strengths and they energize me and there's just not enough time in the day Mm -hmm. to read all the books that i want to do to like go on all the walks to go to the gym to like you know explore this and explore that um, there's just so much exciting stuff in the world that I just feel like there's never enough time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
2: Have you got kids? No. 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 That's another, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy your time, <laughs> yeah. don't have kids. Yeah. Uh, and to finish off, what's your best dad joke? Well, mum joke, dad joke, yeah. whatever it might be. Auntie joke. Auntie joke.
1: Um, where do the fish keep their money?
2: Where do the fish keep their money?
1: In the riverbank.
2: <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's pathetic. I love it. Absolutely love it. It passes the, the test, the joke test. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sarah, for Thank coming you. on today. It has been a really great chat and a lightning yeah. chat, and fantastic to hear about all the great things that you guys are doing over at Sweat. Uh, what does the what does the future look like for for you in the next two or three years? Is it um, you know? Well, actually, there's probably some areas that you can't yeah. talk about again. Is it, do you, are you planning on growing and scaling the business even further?
1: Definitely. I think, um, growth is one of Toby's favorite words, uh, the executive favorite word, uh, all of our favorite words So growth, more growth, more winning, more like elite content, um, and just more kind of world domination, really.
2: Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. And where can we find you? And are you open for people to contact you?
1: Yeah, probably LinkedIn would be the easiest, um, So, Sarah Siami, LinkedIn.
2: So, Sarah, S-I-A-M-I. Correct. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time today. It's been great. Thanks, Thanks guys. Take care. Thank
1: you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump on to the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.